Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. We continue our conversation occasioned by last night's leak of the first draft of uh, Justice Alito's opinion um, in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson uh, Women's Health Organization. Uh, Many people predicted that this was the case that would end up uh, turning the uh, abortion decision back to the states. With me right now to discuss the implications of the leak and also really the implications uh, I mean, what's the pro-life movement like uh, after uh, Roe? Uh, with me is Clark Forsyth. He's senior counsel for Americans United for Life, the author of an outstanding book called Abuse of Discretion, the inside story of Roe v. Wade. Clark's argued cases before federal and state courts, has testified before Congress and state legislatures. And it's good to have you with me again, Clark. Thanks. Thanks, Al. Good to be back. Let's... let's uh, I'm just curious, what was your first impression when you heard about this leak? Um, I'm, I wasn't surprised. Um, uh, in a case like this, uh, challenging Roe versus Wade, um, I, I thought it was uh, almost inevitable that some clerk might leak uh, wow. a, uh, a majority vote Um but it went farther than I uh, could have expected by uh, releasing the entire draft opinion by Justice Alito. That that uh, I I didn't imagine. Yeah. Do you have any idea how close to the final opinion that draft would be? I mean, you know, when they get that far in the process, do you know have any sense of how how plastic is the language uh, at that point? Oh, there could be multiple drafts, uh, so it's. Uh, I don't think there's any way of knowing. Yeah. Okay. Um, at this point, uh, I mean, it doesn't. Res- it doesn't uh, respond to possible dissents or existing dissents. Uh, it's 98 pages long, so it's very thorough in laying out the case for overturning Roe versus Wade. But it doesn't refer to dissents as majority opinions often do. Mm, okay. So, um, and um, I mean, it is it is possible the court could take to the end of June to finally decide the case. So there's there's considerable time left, possibly. Uh, why has the court for a long time? <clears throat> it's been known that many legal scholars were unhappy with the reasoning in Roe. Uh, how has it persisted in spite of the criticism that really assailed it almost from uh, its uh, declaration? Uh, how has it persisted? Well, um, Roe created all kinds of special interests that worked to prop it up. Mm. Um, I, I mean, right, right away in the face of, you know, 30 constitutional amendments that were introduced in Congress. But... Um, you know, special interest groups, the abortion industry grew, yep, yep. Um, you know, political parties uh, got behind it, billionaires, billion-dollar foundations. Yep. So it, uh, when abortion was legalized, it creates special interest groups that have worked to prop it up, even while we've been pushing to overturn it. I mean, in some ways, I think it's remarkable that the cause for life in America has kept it unsettled yeah. all these years. That's right. That's right. Uh, I think it's it's a great achievement. Um, <clears throat> if it goes back to the states, as it looks like it will, uh, we've got 
you know, in a sense, a new fight begins. This is a whole new phase in the struggle, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, um, and I would say I think one perhaps disappointing thing that this leak has shown is that many people in America, unfortunately, think that overturning Roe means the court makes abortion illegal. And uh, that doesn't happen. Um, The court uh, overturning Roe means, as you said, the issue goes back to the states, and the law that is on the books in the states may be enforceable. But but yes, think of think of Roe versus Wade as this huge legal and political uh, and constitutional obstacle in the roadway of pro-life sentiment and pro-life public policy, and pushing that out of the way and the federal courts out of the way um, means that it is an opportunity for pro-life sentiment to be uh, reflected in pro-life law, but. But um, uh, pro-life people will need to respond by getting to the polls in November, the first chance to elect public officials after the decision. Mm-hmm. And um, they've got to be active and engaged and attentive and, uh, and, and vote and vote their, vote their voice. Um, how did the decision in um, uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey strengthen Roe? Well, it strengthened it in the short term, I think, um, uh, and the just and the and the three O'Connor, Kennedy, and Souter who joined that opinion uh, in Casey uh, thought that they could entrench the Roe decision, um, and it did so simply because it seemed to, uh, you know, five justices uh, reaffirmed Roe. And uh, as a political matter, that kept it going. But over the years, especially in the last decade, I would say, um, it has become apparent that that uh, uh, Casey did not settle the issue, uh, that the court has been as divided as ever. I, I mean, most most opinions since 92 have been 5-4 one way or another. Yeah. So the court's been just as divided. The states since 2010 have been especially vigorous in passing limits, and uh, certainly if, uh, the decision Casey didn't settle the issue in in public opinion or in the states. So uh, that that uh, short-term appearance of settlement has certainly broken down completely, and that's frankly reflected in. Justice Alito's draft opinion. Yeah, yeah. In one spot in the opinion, he talks about how uh, this this ongoing public controversy over abortion has embittered our political uh, process here uh, in America. Um, if again, assuming that this is going to be turned, uh, the abortion question is going to be turned back to the states. Uh, there are going to be the accusations that uh, the Supreme Court has been overly politicized and that it's lost its legitimacy, which, of course, is going to be said if it <laughs> if it's retained Roe v. Wade, it'd be called leg- illegitimate, too. But from, from the pro-choice side of it, uh, what will the arguments be about the illegitimacy of the present court? Well, um, I mean, they could be multifaceted. Uh, The the fact that the court has, quote-unquote, overturned a right that it recognized, um, 
the fact that it was, uh, you know, a 5-4-6-3 decision mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, three of the justices were appointed by uh, uh, President Trump and that yeah. uh, all, the, yeah. all of the ones in the majority were appointed by Republican presidents. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, but, um, you know, time will tell. And uh, that's why elections are important. Um, that's why citizen engagement uh, will confirm the legitimacy of what the court does. Uh, so the court uh, has always been, in some sense, supported by politics and by elected public officials and elected uh, institutions like the presidency and the, and the U.S. Senate and by, in some sense, the state. So um, elections are going to be very important in refuting the notion that the court's legitimacy has sometime, somehow been undermined, and in fact, to support the court's legitimacy and what it did. Take me back, if you would, um, to 1973, 1972-73. Uh, after Rose decided the dissent is, uh, it calls it, uh, Justice White calls it an uh, act of broad judicial power, Given that this decision <clears throat> was recognized as flawed from the beginning by so many legal scholars, <clears throat> the famous John Hart, uh, Ellie. Now, w- what was the environment like that allowed this decision to be made? What's the, the, the cultural antecedent that pr- permits this? Well, as I, as I say in uh, Abuse of Discretion, uh, um, the, the this this a decision came at the end of the 1960s, and so it came at the end of the Cultural Revolution of yep. the 60s, which influenced it. Um, the uh, the the uh, there was a it was a, it was a national issue of uh, quote unquote population control. Yes, um, even President Nixon endorsed population uh, the concern about population control control and the need to do something about it. That was that clearly influenced the court. Plus, there was a short-term crisis within the court because uh, in the uh, in, in September of '71, two justices, Black and Harlan, who I say in, in abuse of discretion and argue in abuse of discretion, that they would have voted against a national right to abortion. They abruptly retired within the space of a week due to ill health. Mm. Uh, uh, the two vacancies created a crisis within the court. It flipped the balance of the court. So uh, those two things, the cultural revolution and the crisis within the court, really weakened the court at the time and um, and and paved the way because it created a short, uh, temporary majority of four justices who wanted to push over the abortion laws and eliminate them before the vacancies could be filled. Hmm. And um, and so, um, although the court eventually voted seven to two to declare a right to abortion, once the justices then addressed the practical implications of the decision, they the court quickly divided and uh, splintered hmm. over the practical application of their declared right to abortion. And that's been the case ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, Justice Blackman, the 
at least principal author of Roe. Did he uh, ever come to regret the decision? No, and it, it, it and it is a demonstration of the weakness of his character that instead of reacting to the criticism and taking it into consideration, he dug in his heels and doubled down on what he had done. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, uh, you know, he 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 was he got his back up when when the states wanted to regulate or limit or prohibit abortion. Um, and uh, he got uh, more and more entrenched uh, and personally and emotionally involved in preserving his legacy through the decision, because except for Roe versus Wade, few Americans can cite any other opinion he ever wrote. That's right. Yeah. This was his signature uh, piece. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me, what uh, again, assuming this uh, goes back to the States, has that changed the work of Americans United for Life in any way? Well, it does, because the States are going to be more active, um, and uh, instead of everybody looking at the courts to decide what's permissible, um, the people you elect in the state level are going to be making the yeah. decisions, governors and state senators and representatives. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a real a real battle. But I'm glad you're there. Glad you're going to help us along. Thanks, Clark. Thank you, Al. Clark Forsyth is a senior counsel for Americans United for Life. Uh, again, abuse of discretion: the inside story of Roe v. Wade. It's eye opening. <laughs> 